0: all right all right all right about that time again damn podcast time brandon sprague 1080 the fan angie machado beaverblitz.com uh we're back again once again this week as oregon state takes on san jose state how's your week on angie
1: it's good i i don't i mean gosh you feel like you've had coffee today brandon you are (laughs) you've got some energy
0: well look Sometimes you have those days where you start unreasonably early and you kind of go really, really long. I'm kind of having one of those days as we okay. as we shoot this on a Thursday at like three thirty. Uh, I got up at four fifteen today, and we I did a, I did you know got my daughter ready for her day, and then I go do a radio show from noon to three on 1080, and then now I'm doing this. So it's it's been a long day for me, but uh, I, I I enjoy these days. I enjoy these work days, so I'm kind of fired up.
1: I know and it's football season. We've been we've been waiting for this, you know. So it, it's always fun. Even after a loss, it's fun to talk Beaver football.
0: Absolutely. And we're going to talk a lot of Beaver football, obviously, uh, it being the damn podcast. I did want to say one quick note, a couple quick notes. Um, thank you to a couple people who have chimed in on BeaverBlitz.com, uh, potentially helping us out in what we're doing on our podcast. We may be able to shout you out on the next podcast and everything that's going on behind the scenes, uh, but I just want to take time and say we appreciate it very much. I know, Angie, you you, you probably appreciate it a little more than me. It's Beaver Blitz com they're part of that community and they're stepping up for us
1: yeah yeah we're trying to you know get this uh, podcast on soundcloud and on itunes just so everybody can find us real easily and um I, we're growing a lot i mean brandon talks about each week we're, we're growing with listeners so we're trying to uh, get this happening and you know brandon and i are doing this just because we we love Beaver football, we are not making money doing this. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a fun thing, so um, any sponsorships we can get to help offset costs and, and help us out a little bit is much appreciated. So hopefully next week we will have. It's already on SoundCloud, Brandon. You got it on SoundCloud, but hopefully next week we'll have the full unlimited range here, so we can have an archive of all of the damn podcasts, and we will be on iTunes as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we love doing it. We do. I don't. I don't want this to be any re- viewed as like complete. Or anything, But it does take time out of our day. We hey, sacrifice some time. And, and look, we enjoy doing it. But uh, it's nice to get some help from some listeners out there. So we appreciate it. You mentioned SoundCloud, Angie. Uh, apologies the last couple of weeks. I've been putting them on our... It's a 1080 The Fan audio vault that we use for most of the shows on 1080. Um, and I know I've been tweeting out, like kind of a weird link. Apologies, we we had to get rid of our SoundCloud show-wise here at The Fan. So instead of putting them on there, I created a new SoundCloud page that you guys can go and follow. I've tried to message as many people um, from the previous page as I can. It's soundcloud.com backslash damn dash podcast. Go on there, follow us, we'll follow you back. Uh, Any questions you have, just shoot us a message. I'll try to answer them. Angie will try to answer them. Um, That's going to be our new SoundCloud home. Hopefully it's unlimited very soon. And iTunes, I know iTunes has been the biggest concern for people of everything we've talked about and done thus far. Me and Angie really apologize, or Angie and I really apologize, uh, for not having that on iTunes yet. I know some other media members do. We are trying profusely to get this on iTunes. I know that's really important for people. So just bear with us for maybe a week or two and it will be on iTunes. Yes. That's our goal. We
1: we, we have day jobs too, you know, so.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: I admittedly am not a podcast pro yet. I'm getting there.
0: We're learning. We're learning. We um, I well, don't
1: like that uh, Beaver offense.
0: Yeah, it, well, that's a that's a good natural transition uh, transition in a podcast. There, Angie. Uh, <laughs> Oregon State's loss. Now, uh, let's let's not brag about who was right, who was wrong. Let's really not do that. Yes, cause my
1: my uh, spicy wasabi pick is not so good. I will eat the crow there and. Uh, Moving on.
0: No, yeah. I mean, look, you admittedly said you thought Michigan was going to win, but you know, why, not, why not pick Oregon State? I just Oregon thought Gary
1: had something up his sleeve. I thought we'd see something. And, I, I mean, not to say that they didn't try, but, um, yeah, just Michigan was very, very good. Their defense was very, very good.
0: Well, and to be fair, you were right on in the first drive. I, I couldn't believe it. When Oregon State came out in that drive, Uh, I was really blown away. I know that a lot of those plays are scripted and you can catch some defenses off guard, but Michigan's defense is a top 10 defense in the country. You're talking about one of the best in that, on that side of the ball. It's in Michigan, Ann Arbor. You're talking about true freshman quarterback. I was really surprised that they came out even with scripted plays and did what they did.
1: Oh, and then, then, you know, then they get the the fumble. It started off gangbusters for the Beavers, but kind of went downhill quickly.
0: Yeah, it absolutely did. I mean, look, thirty five seven the score says everything you need to know about it. Um, but what did, what did you think of, of the offense after they score and obviously the blown opportunity, Victor Bolden fumbles after they caused a fumble on Michigan, an opportunity to go up fourteen nothing potentially. What did you make though of the offense after the first score?
1: You know, they didn't really start going downhill until, you know, into the second quarter, I didn't think. I mean, they tried, they they sputtered and the second half was some of the worst football offensively I've seen probably maybe ever <laughs> I don't want to say ever but it was not you know I think they had five possessions the last four were three and out mm-hmm. and uh, they started the third quarter I think with um what four, five snaps I think in that drive mm-hmm. so um just so unproductive they I mean they tried everything it wasn't for lack of trying um, they just they couldn't move the ball at all, and this is what's going to happen now for teams going forward. We're going to see defenses looking to stop the run and make Seth Collins throw the ball, and so it's going to be up for the offensive line and uh, and the running game and and the passing game to really step up. But I that first, like I said, that first quarter I thought was was pretty good. But what concerns me, if I'm coaches right now, is that Oregon State really has played. Two, qu- two halves of football. They played the second half at Weber State and the first half at Michigan. Mm-hmm. They need to find a way to play four full quarters of football.
0: Well, and, and you look at what Oregon State's done offensively. You talk about maybe ever. The only other game that comes to the top of my mind, and I'm sure listeners out there uh, will think, oh, this game and that game. And, and but, but right now, when I'm thinking about it, it reminded me of last year's USC game. Yes, Where, it did. And look, that's last year's USC game, to me, was inexcusable. Even if USC is USC, to have the experience at quarterback and and have what they had, uh, I just thought that was such a pathetic effort. This is a little different. I mean, it's a little different in the sense of you're, you're dealing with a freshman quarterback. The one problem I had offensively, and I still have a problem with it offensively, I don't really understand, and maybe you can explain this one to me, Angie. What is the need... Or why is it? Why are they so desperate to get the ball or force the ball to Victor Bolden?
1: I, 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 I don't know. That's you know I've, I've been you know talking, having this conversation on Beaver Blitz. I love Victor, great kid, but he has really struggled this year. Mm-hmm. And you know they were trying all kinds of things. What I would like to see is more tight end play. Oregon State has these great tight ends. You have Caleb Smith. You have uh, Kellen Clute. Noah Togiai, Brent Vanderveen has looked good in points of practice. But they've been pretty much non-existent, and then Paul Lucas, your your speedster, we really haven't seen him either.
0: Yeah, has he has he played more than a play?
1: I don't. I think he played that first game, and that's all I've seen.
0: Yeah, see, I don't even. I didn't. I couldn't even recall him playing in the first game, just because I I didn't really see them do anything. I I just I was talking with um, a buddy, and I remember he he made a really good point after the first game, and he said, you know, the worst thing that happened was Victor Bolton stepped on this campus, and instantly, naturally from fans, instantly. Oh, that's the next Brandon Cooks. Yeah. And and look, this happens all the time, especially at colleges where you can identify one player and a guy comes in with a similar build and skill set and they go, oh, that's the next this guy. And it happened to Cooks. It it happened with Wheaton, James Rogers. Hey, can he be the next Strotter? Can Wheaton be the next Rogers? Yeah, it's
1: it's gone on, hasn't it?
0: It's just a pass down torch. The worst thing that happened to him was being compared to Brandon Cooks. And the facts are this. He's what, three years in? Is he a three-year guy? Yes. Okay, he's three years into his career. He's not Brandon Cooks. He's never going to be Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks doesn't drop that bomb against Weber State in the end zone, and I'm not trying to make that an indictment of the kid. It's just that a lot of people... Wanted to point to him and say, "Oh, he's Brandon Cooks," and I think that's the worst possible thing. I completely agreed with my buddy, and I like him. I think he fits, but I just i've I've been left clueless trying to understand why they forced it to him instead of, like you mentioned, the tight ends get them a little bit involved. Maybe mix up some running back sets to where you you bring them out of the backfield and, and run more screens or.
1: Well, see, that's all along. Ever since Brandon left early, I've been the proponent of moving Storm to the slot.
0: There you go. A little Byron Marshall type action.
1: And and you know that's something I've I've wondered too with, with Victor. I wonder if they've just put too much pressure on him. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean it was almost like they were trying to use him like DeAnthony Thomas or something at Michigan. I mean yeah. they had him back as a as a back, they had him fly sweep. That's a lot of pressure to put on one kid.
0: It's A ton of pressure to put on one kid.
1: And so um I you know I don't know. I, I don't you have Jordan Villeman. you have um I mean Lucas is arguably one of the fastest guys on the team. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, a true freshman, maybe his, maybe his routes are struggled. He struggled with routes, but it's an interesting dynamic. And, yeah, the, the whole why aren't we using tight ends more, why aren't we seeing that, that's, that's been something that we've talked a lot about on Beaver Blitz.
0: Well, even look at Villeman. I mean, I know they've gone to kind of some 50-50 balls with Collins and him, but it does feel like your chances are higher throwing to him at a jump ball situation than what you've been doing with Bolden. It really does feel that
1: way. But you know what, Brandon, I mean, Villeman's missed his balls too. I mean, he's missed catches, several catches that I can think of just in two games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people talk about the, the passing game and, and problems with a freshman quarterback, but I've seen more mistakes out of a more veteran wide receiver group than I have out of the freshman quarterback well, making the passes.
0: Yeah, and think about that play by Villeman where he went, they went for it on fourth down. and Oh,
1: yeah, and they he comes down with
0: Yeah, he, or, he cut so up came down cutting with, out and cutting out. It unbelievable, and, yeah. Yeah.
1: But yet he, they, he drops one that, you know, goes right through his hands. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been an interesting, you know, I don't know if that's just all new, you know, the, the way the quarterbacks get, deliver the ball. I'm not sure, but it's, an, it's been interesting to see.
0: Did you like Gary Anderson's decision? I know it's hindsight's 50-50, and ultimately uh, you don't want to screw a punt up, but did you like the decision to initially punt on fourth and three?
1: I wouldn't have gone. I would have, I would have gone for it.
0: They're at the Michigan 39, I believe, at that point. Yeah,
1: I, I think I would have gone for that. I mean, yeah. I understand why he did. Um, you know, you pin them deep so they don't have time to, to march down and score a touchdown before the half. But um, I think I would have gone for it. Momentum was still not – it hadn't shifted completely to Michigan's favor. Try to get that three yards and run out the clock. Mm-hmm. But then, yes, then the – but then when they make the, the punt, it was a beautiful punt before they called the penalty – then he looked like a genius until the penalty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The so, um,
1: yeah, you're that. right. Hindsight's 2020, 20-20, but um, yeah, that's when everything unraveled though.
0: I was not shocked at all, by the way, about that pump block. Or the, oh, not the snap not, the snap, not the snap, punch, but like, like the, every time he yeah, stepped back there. Yeah. Not a, not a pump block, excuse me, with a snap, but yeah, snap. I wasn't surprised. Just they had had pressure every single time they'd had success.
1: Yeah, no, they, they had pressure, I think, every single time the organization hunted.
0: Did you, like, uh, did you like that they had kind of subbed out Seth Collins in the second half for McMarion?
1: You know, I, I feel kind of bad for McMarion because he's gotten into some really bad positions. They seem to put him in, you know, backed up on his own goal line, or, you know, he's, you know, back when there's like no, no chance for anything. Um, so I kind of felt bad for him. I, I, frankly, I, w- I was ready to see a little Nick Mitchell. Mm-hmm just to see, you know, can could Nick Mitchell have passed and, and helped get them a little life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the other thing, too, that a lot of people on Twitter were wondering was where the hell was Storm Barr's woods. Uh, he didn't play the whole first half. He had his helmet off. Chris Brown got majority of the carries. Sands came in a couple times. Um, Gary Anderson says he, he Storm didn't feel right, and he doesn't want to disclose what the injury is, but most people have been led to believe it's, it's knee injuries once again. Um Weird play out to you the way that that happened because I guess he was in pregame and he was hugging the coach and everything was fine and then he kind of game starts and just doesn't go. I, I, I don't know. I I also didn't think it was that big of a deal. Like people were panicking like he was a two thousand yard running back not playing. Yeah, um, yeah. What did what did you make a storm?
1: I mean, I thought it was I thought it was interesting how I mean, it was handled. I I mean, I, I don't I don't think storms a hundred percent. I don't think his knees a hundred percent. And. Kudos to him, though, for you know knowing that's a big game and, and taking himself out until he can you know feel you know whether he rehabbed, got a shot. I, I'm not sure what happened, but um, was able to feel like he could come in. But um, I, I know, I mean, it was a huge discussion on blitz too yeah. about you know because Coach Anderson didn't want to talk about it, and so some media I think got a little pushed out of joint about how he handled that. But he's he's made it very clear he's not going to talk about injuries. It, it's been an interesting. You, you have that, and then Bright Aguibu didn't come, didn't make the trip either, which now he says it was a disciplinary disciplinary action. But yeah. you know, Coach Woods or Coach Anderson said he wouldn't talk about either. Which that leads to rampant speculation. You know, I, he could have saved, and it probably didn't save him any heart, you know heartache. But you know, it sure had sent Beaver fans into a tizzy. Wondering what was up. I mean, there were rumors that, you know, missed curfews or, I mean, all, you run the gamut of what excuse, you know, what rumors could have been flying out there. And um, I think it could have been easily addressed of, you know, Storm's knee was, or, you know, Storm's bat is still not 100% injury wise, or, you know, we have some team rule violations. I mean, just maybe a little more uh, forthcoming to, to squelch the whole rumor mill.
0: I think it's pretty funny uh, that media members got mad about Oregon State and Gary Anderson. I get frustration. I do. uh, But I also think it's kind of funny. Some fans might have got a little upset about Anderson not wanting to disclose. But after all these years of complaining about Oregon and, oh, Oregon doesn't do it. And Oregon State does. It's you know that was kind of like a, a a benefit to Oregon state of they get the benefit of the doubt and they kind yeah. of get defended against for media now that everything's kind of changed riley's out of there everything's different just the way that they run it i love that they instantly just turn and were like oh screw that guy man he he needs to know and
1: yeah 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 i read it around and yeah it got it was kind of a some of the articles i read were a little little heated there but
0: yeah i just come on like i read one article that was like hey here's my advice for you in the new city it's like Dude, he's paid millions of dollars to coach. What are what have you ever offered any coach?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, and and the media needs to remember too that um, this is legality issues. This, you know, they can't be going out talking about kids' medical. Just like, yeah. you know, I can't go out and say, you know, Brandon Sprague blew out his ACL. He's you could. done for. You know,
0: <laughs> you could if you wanted to. I wouldn't. I could.
1: Care. It's not true, but you, you know what I mean. I mean, we can't just. In this day and age, you, I mean, I mean, I have to find something when I go to the doctor that says my husband can get information on my, my health care. So, yeah. it's it's just the way of the world, and everybody needs to get used to it. If if Storm Bars Woods wants the media and the public to know what's wrong with him, he will tell us.
0: Overall, that's, how that's did my you f- take on it? Yeah, yeah. Overall, how did you feel about the the trip and just kind of the experience of playing in the big house? Even though they ended up getting destroyed, uh, how did you feel about the effort and just the game in general?
1: Oh, I think. I mean, obviously, they, they worked hard. The team did not quit. They were, they were still out there fighting. But I felt bad for the defense. They had to be exhausted. Um, I think it was 13 minutes. 13:30 was roughly the time of possession in the second half for Oregon State offense. So, um, the defense was exhausted. But great experience for the team. And this is a group that you know, even with Coach, Har- I mean, Coach Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in, in college football. He's coming into a team that had you know a. a Veteran group at defense, a new system at offense, but he wasn't changing things up that much. It's you know, it is what it is. But now this team knows. I think Coach Anderson says it, he calls it "big boy" big boy football. He knows, now the team knows what big boy football is all about.
0: Yeah, I liked I liked the attitude and kind of everything he had about he got he mentioned physicality and how important that was, and he just didn't think his guys lived up to it. Uh, defensively, I, I I'm giving them a pass. I'm sorry. It had nothing to do with defense to me. They wore out at the end of the game. The offense just completely sputtered. But again, we've talked about this for weeks now. When you have a freshman option at quarterback, this is going to happen. And yeah. you faced one of the best defenses in the country. I wasn't shocked at all.
1: And you have to remember, this isn't where Harbaugh came in, and his offense isn't that different than what Brady Hoke was running. Coach Anderson's changed everything. Yeah. So he really has personnel that he's, you know, taking round pegs and putting him, trying to put them in a square hole. So it's just not ideal yet.
0: All right. Should we do some damn questions?
1: Now, are there any damn questions? Let's do some damn questions. You have, you have one right off the bat for me.
0: Yeah, I got one for you uh, from at Black and eighty six. Why is Caleb Smith starting? Does Gare Bear know his history? How much leash is left for him? Hashtag liability.
1: Wow, we're on Gare Bear terms now.
0: (laughs) He also added his game-winning record is non-existent in terms of Caleb Smith, but his game-killing penalties are profound, nothing new. I think he's mentioning the two penalties that he got that were pretty big for Oregon State.
1: Yeah, I, I know that that's you know been this whole administrative penalties and you know Coach Anderson's talked at length about that. So you know what we're not going to find out about is what's going on in house with um, you know how they're either disciplining or or coaching Caleb and others who have been getting getting penalties. So, mm-hmm. um, but I know it's a it's a big sticking point. I know during the fall camp that was a big sticking point, and it's something that uh, I, I don't think Air Bear will. Um, Let happen too
0: long. No, I agree with that. The the one thing about Caleb Smith, and I I said this on my radio show this week. There's a handful of guys that I can recall that when I go to a camp, and this is obviously the Riley era because I just it's one year one for Gary Anderson. But there was a handful of guys that I can recall in the fall camp when I get there that pretty much the entire coaching staff gushes over about potential Mm -hmm. and what he can do and how he's physically built. Caleb Smith is one of those guys, and I'll just flat out say it, he hasn't lived up to what I was told he would be. Now, is he a fine football player? Sure. Is he frustrating? Yeah. I I completely see where fans get very frustrated with him. I still think you start him. He's senior. He kind of has the experience there, but you can rotate guys in. I mean, you're talking about a position where starting is really not a big difference between him and the guy who comes in second and might catch five five balls per game. Like, for me, you still start Caleb Smith. And I understand why people are frustrated. I do. There's dumb mistakes and penalties, and you're kind of like, what are you doing? You should know at this point in your career to not do that. Uh, but ultimately, him starting, that's that's not the difference. To me, it's it's going to be, how does Dave Baldwin use the tight ends like you mentioned, and uh, who gets a majority of those reps?
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why I think... I mean, they had several freshmen that they liked, and Noah Togiai is is one player that they've kind of highlighted as is, is not redshirting. You have um, Kellen Clute another you know very very veteran tied in. So that's I think it's important to start using those guys. Uh,
0: I got another one from at pd eighty six p says. Speaking of what you just said, what are the chances of Noah Togiai getting some playing time in this upcoming game versus San Jose State?
1: I think we see it. I will not be shocked, PD, if we see uh, Noah this, this week.
0: Yeah, I think this is the week that if for guys who haven't gotten touches, gotten time, really, this is the week to bust it out. It should yeah. be the week you
1: bust it I, out. I think, I think we maybe even see a Jay Irvine or a Jalen uh, Moore mm-hmm. on the defense. I, I, I think we see some freshmen. I, I, there's, there's been some injuries. There's some guys that are, are slow to return, and I think they're going to bust some things out because the uh, staff wants to mix some things up.
0: All right. Do you got any?
1: I've got one from K Kaiser seventy three at Beaver Blitz. Do you think the Beavers will make any adjustments in either defensive alignment or personnel to better handle the power run game? Mm. Probably not an issue with San Jose State. However, I would think if a team had a power run game and they saw the second half of Michigan, they would run it.
0: Who's coming uh, in two weeks?
1: Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, Stanford's (laughs) coming in two weeks.
0: Stanford's coming in two weeks. Stanford is not the traditional Stanford, but they still have the same philosophies and thinking. And you're also talking about a Harbaugh kind of staff of some of those guys that are still at Stanford. So it's coming. Is there a change? Um, No, I'll say there's going to be no change. I think Kalani Satake really liked what he saw Again, you break. They did down. run
1: some four three though. They did mix yeah. up
0: that. Yeah, they did do that, which I'm I'm not surprised about. I mean, I talking to Kalani, I mean, he, he told us that
1: Yeah, he's gonna mix it. Yeah, he's
0: not gonna be defined by one scheme, like, oh, that's the three four base. No, he he mixes things up. What was the defense that you guys had had mentioned, the um the 5 uh, the, the five three three. I mean, you don't know yeah. what he's going to do. He really might change it up. I think he'll stick to that kind of idea and that way of thinking. But ultimately, I don't think you'll see a big change. You might see a change in who starts and who, who kind of comes in second. But ultimately, I, I just think I, I, I don't know how you don't like what the defense has, has done. I know yeah, 35 yeah. points looks terrible. But when your offense literally doesn't help you, every defense in this country, I don't care who it is, the top team to the dead last team, Every defense will break if they get zero help from the offense.
1: Exactly. I mean, they barely had time to go get a sip of water, let alone come up with ways of stopping you know, new schemes. I do, um, you know, I mentioned Jalen Moore and um, Jay Irvine. Also watch for Alu Iden, the tackle out of American Samoa. Mm-hmm. I think we see him this week as well, true freshman.
0: I really liked what I saw from Caleb Salo and, uh, gosh, I always say the kid's name, Mane
1: Manny, there he go. I
0: I really Manny, I think that kid, Manny, if he stays on his feet and he's okay, okay he back. is a hitter.
1: Yeah, he has got my MVP vote for the for the first two games.
0: He just he he's a beast out there. He runs mad.
1: He he hits hard. I mean, what did he had an interception? Yep. A forced fumble, a fumble recovery. Yeah. He's he's had monster games the past two 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 weeks. Okay, so here um going to, with Ricky Ortiz moving to linebacker, are there other potential player moves that you're aware of? How about Ryan Nall to linebacker or a hybrid D-end linebacker as well? We need to find a place for Nall Mm -hmm. if he's not going to be used on the offense regularly. Um, That was from Beaves 77
0: GoBeats77. Good question. I think that's a really good question. Ortiz, I thought that was a good move. Um, I like Nall to go to H-back. I do,
1: too. That's where I see him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I... It's just weird how that whole thing's kind of gone. And and look, coaches from week to week are always going to change their minds based on what they they see. But they were so set on saying he was just a tailback and his weight wasn't an issue. And I think it's pretty evident, having watched him in well two games, he really hasn't played that much anyway. But seeing what we've seen, I think it's pretty evident he's probably more utilized, or he should be more utilized at. At at H back, then he would be at actually being a true tailback. I don't want to see him on defense. If they do do that, then fine, I'm all for it. He's a great athlete, but I want to see him get his shot at H back.
1: Yeah, that's that's where I see him too. I just we've had this discussion this week too, and I think H back is where he is. And unless they will, you know, let him cut down to you know a two thirty, I could see him as a two hundred thirty pound running back. Yeah, you got to got to lose some weight. He, I mean, he, he said he's told us that. He'll be wherever the coaches want him, but then he feels heavy at 250. There you go. Can't make his cuts.
0: Uh, so. I got one from at Mike P. Marshall. Is play calling an issue or Collins just abandoning reads too early? Likely a combination, but which hurts more? Hashtag damn podcast.
1: Huh. Good question.
0: That's a good question.
1: You know, I think some of it is him getting out of his reads a little early. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, honestly, I, I haven't put this on... That the offensive woes—I I wasn't putting on play calling necessarily or Seth Collins. It was just the physicality of Michigan. I mean, those those players are are damn good that Michigan had on defense. So um, that was kind of more of my takeaway. It wasn't so much Oregon State play calling wasn't good. I, I would have liked to see maybe a little more tight end action. Um, you know, some some little uh, bubble screens to a tight end just to help back back up that defense, mm-hmm. but. I really didn't put that, you know, on Seth Collins or on Dave Baldwin's shoulders as much as just a really good defense by Michigan.
0: Yeah. You know what, for me, it's it's a little bit of both. I do think more likely than not, though, it's him abandoning reads and plays too early and trying to take off and run, and that was my biggest fear or concern with him. I do think he's the more talented one of the bunch that they have, um, and I like what I've seen, but he, A, he needs to stop trying to flip over people and jump over yeah. people, it's terrifying yeah. at this point, and B... When you have a mobile quarterback, and you can see this in the NFL level still with some guys, like Kaepernick's a good example, guys who rely solely on their legs and they have success tend to believe that it will not go away, that they can continue to succeed with their legs. So for me, when I watch Seth Collins play, he has moments where he'll break a 10 or, 10 or more yard play and he'll feel good about himself, and then you wonder, unless it's a deep ball... Does he have the the skill set to really go through a couple progressions? Because in college, most of these kids can't go past three anyway. Can you read your first two reads, or are you a one-read kid, and then you pull down and run? I still have concerns that he's a one-read quarterback. That doesn't yeah. mean that he can't improve or get better, but those are my concerns. In fact, I, I so if you, to answer that question, uh, Mike Marshall, I would probably lean he is probably abandoning the play and reads too soon and taking off.
1: Yeah, I would... I would agree if, if it was between those two. Here, This is like similar lines. This is BM68MC on Beaver Blitz. It says, in your opinion, are the continued offensive woes an issue of the staff inheriting the wrong personnel for the wrong system? Or is it just a continued learning curve and more of a player execution issue?
0: Mm, that's actually a really good question. Um I'm gonna say it's a learning curve. No, no, it's not the wrong players for execution. You got some guys that probably aren't meant to be in this kind of system that they that they run. But overall, it, it's college football. Uh, you can learn this stuff. They just need a couple games. I, I really just think they're not gonna. Now they're not gonna come out and drop 50 points a game after x amount of weeks. But you can improve for sure. It's just a different style of playing. There were times where I was extremely disappointed with the way Isaac played in the Michigan mm-hmm. game. But again, there's a rust factor with him, and trying to get back into game shape and kind and, of and game they've, mode. They
1: talked about the offensive line blocking. The scheme blocking is completely different than pro style.
0: Oh yeah, it absolutely is. And and I think you can you can adapt. You can learn from that, and you can get better. So uh, I'm not going to say gonna yeah, say that it goes
1: the lear- learning curve
0: for sure. Yeah, I'd say more learning curve than it is, you know, wrong talent or whatever.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, It just takes a little longer. A lot of these kids haven't played, or they played maybe in high school, but they haven't played a spread now with under Coach Riley. So it's a whole new philosophy.
0: You got any more?
1: Nope, that's what I got. All
0: right, that's all I got. Thanks, everybody, for the damn questions on the damn podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, We love to shout you guys out. We love the interaction we got. Again, Angie mentioned it. You guys have been amazing. I wasn't able to track last week's numbers, but the week prior to that and two weeks prior, our numbers have grown exponentially through the season. Uh, I think two a week ago, not last week's, but the week before, two weeks ago, we had one thousand one hundred and ten plays on our podcast. So, all right, hey, that's a forty-third of Research Stadium, and I appreciate that. I really do. I, it, look, I hopefully we keep growing this thing, and you guys keep spreading it around word of mouth. We enjoy doing this; it's a lot of fun, but. Uh, yeah I just want to say I appreciate everybody that's been listening and and following us I know it's been a little bit of a hectic um, landing spot for our podcast but we're we're working our butts off to try to make it easy and convenient
1: and I think we're almost there
0: I think we're almost there um final thoughts I mean this week's game I I may maybe you have an opinion and you want to get some stuff I'm trying to think about this week's game though like what do you want to see I guess for this week?
1: I just finished writing my, my five keys to victory that, that I want to see. I want to see some offensive consistency is, is one of my big ones. Um, I want to see pass, being able to pass the ball some. And I'm not going to – I mean, I love, I love the podcast fans, but one of the things that I put in my five keys here is I want to see realistic expectations from the fans. I don't want to see the boobers come out at the first sign of any adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, it's a process, and uh, it's going it's, it's to be pretty sometimes, and it's going to be ugly sometimes. But yeah. I really want to see some consistency in offense. I, I have really not big concerns with defense. I think what Kalani Satake's been doing has been good. I love the aggression I see and them swarming to the ball. But um, offensively, like we have talked about, I want to see some consistency, some drives that are able to be sustained.
0: Okay, I like that. I like everything you just named there. I think those are really good points, uh, especially philosophy and, and kind of execution wise. I also like the boobirds part. I, I'm going to give an opinion on this game, and it's going to be a real some. You know, we call it on the show a bummer Brandon take because some people don't like to hear like sad truths or just opinions that kind of differ from happiness. I am genuinely concerned that they could lose this game. A, oh, it,
1: it definitely could
0: happen. I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd put it like an 8 of how realistic I think it is they lose this game. San Jose State, they play two quarterbacks, but they're athletic, they play a similar type style, and they just hung with Air Force. Say what you will about Air Force, but if Air Force and Oregon State played, would you pick Air, Would you pick Oregon State every time? No, I'd pick Air Force. So exactly, and San Jose State just hung with them until the fourth quarter. I am legitimately concerned that San Jose State, San Jose State can win this game and will win this game. But I also want to be proven wrong. I think if you talk about keys, that's something for me. I want to see, and this just kind of leaps to what you were saying, too. It's, I want to see some offensive consistency. I want to see, go out there, execute. Yes, you're not going to get a first down every drive, and you're going to stall a little bit. But don't do a one-drive wonder and then go two quarters without doing anything. I want to so see three consistency. And outs. We cannot
1: see three and outs. This
0: no, is. you can't. If you get one or two here and there, I understand. It's You're not going to score every time. But in a game where that opponent legitimately is going to go into that stadium and think they're going to win because they will—they're oh, not yeah, a roll-over yeah. FCS opponent or anything like that—they're coming in there and they think they're going to win. Rise to the challenge, and I want to see how they play. But also, kind of with Angie said, I don't want to hear booze. Like, if you lose, it's going to suck. Oh, Oregon State, lots of San Jose State—that looks terrible. This is a this is the most inexperienced team in the conference. I hate like that. I keep repeating that fact. But we get people, I had people texting into my show, Angie, saying, same old Oregon State team, they quit, they don't care, they hate the coach. I can't believe that people have these feelings and really think this about the program uh, being the least experienced. But I want to see the fans be a little classy on this one, and I want to see the team show up.
1: Yeah, yeah, and this this could be a big confidence booster for them. Now, after after, uh, having their lunch handed to them at Michigan, come back home, have some, you know, happy fans around you that are there to support you and build some confidence going into the conference. Yeah. And see, I have to disagree with some of the fans that were, were texting you because I didn't see give up in this team, especially in defense. I thought the defense really, really hung tight. But um, I actually thought they fought pretty hard right, yeah. right, right till the end. Nothing was working. I mean, it was one of those games that nothing went right.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see any give up either. And look, that, that was one guy that referenced that. I had a I had a lot of people texting in, oh so disappointed so pathetic and it's like what were expectations I just I just some people out there are going to have re- unreasonable expectations and that's a them problem because I think it's pretty evident this team is going to be about and may, maybe you still disagree I think you had had them at like five or six wins yourself maybe you still think that's possible I just think having watched them for two games now we'll we'll kind of get a good gauge of where they're going to be wins loss wise I think after this weekend if they blow out San Jose State. Maybe they can blow out Colorado or maybe they can beat Colorado and contend with Washington. I mean you, you never know sometimes with home games, so uh we'll we'll find out where they're at after this weekend
1: so So what are you going with then prediction Brandon? you going with the uh the upset by the Spartans
0: i think i'm I'm leaning upset, but I'll go a little beaver homer here. I'll say Oregon State by a field goal, but see, I, I, I I
1: think like a I'm, I'm thinking like a eighteen to fifteen you know eighteen to I, I see Garrett Owens having a big game but it'll be a close one.
0: Fireworks for the little kicker. I can't wait.
1: <laughs> Fireworks for the kicker. Yeah, and what's interesting, for since I do cover recruiting, Beaver fans might remember the name Cleveland Wallace. He's the same age as he came out in 2012 with Malik Gilmore. Um, he was at the opening up in Beaverton at Nike campus. Beaver commit all the way up until the very end and then went Washington on signing day. He actually transferred now to San Jose State, so he'll be playing against his former verbally committed team.
0: Oh, there you go. Time oh. to bust it out on him. That's right. He's a cornerback.
1: So um, look for Cleveland Wallace. Cleveland Wallace. And, and you know, uh, Seth Collins was committed to San Jose State.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was his, uh, he had not a non, he had a verbal, he hadn't like an yeah. agreement. Um, yeah. yeah, he was originally going to go there. And Gary Anderson and the staff, when they got hired, they they liked what they saw. They snatched the kid up.
1: So, a couple little interesting storylines there.
0: All right. So, you have them winning by three. I think I'm going to have them winning by a game winning field goal as well by two or three. Um, but again, don't be upset. Don't, I mean, be a little upset because you don't like seeing a team lose. But don't be surprised, I guess I should say, if San Jose State makes a game out of this and maybe even wins it.
1: Yeah, I, I'm right there with you.
0: It's not easy, but it's it's a reality of what you're going through right now. All right. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at Brandon Sprague, at Angie Machado1. Uh, Thank you guys, everybody, for listening. Anything you want to pub, Angie? You guys can find her five things, five keys to the game, beaverblitz.com. Anything you want to pub?
1: Just follow us on Twitter, too, at Angie Machado1 and at Brandon Sprague.
0: Boom. There we go. All right. This was this week's edition of the damn podcast. We'll be back next week as the Beeves gear up for Stanford. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day.